We've been uh, working our way through the Eightfold Path. We've been talking about right speech. And we've all been exploring the practice of right speech. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there have been some good discussions on, on the topic since I was here last. <clears throat> so, anybody like to share something that they've discovered from this practice? What were we supposed to do for homework? What <laughs> <laughs> it's been like two, three weeks. Okay, okay. Which one were we focusing on? <laughs> Which homework didn't you do? No, we were right, right speech. We started out, uh, we talked about uh, the the negative side of right speech, the, the things that you try to refrain from doing, is your false speech, harsh speech, divisive speech, and idle speech and gossip. And uh, the homework was beginning with beginning with false speech, try to become aware of of the occasions in which that you well, try to become aware of your speech and, and be aware of particular occasions in which your use of speech was uh, somehow intended to alter the perception of things by someone else. That yeah. was the exaggeration one that we got into. Well, yeah, I got into it because you know, everybody knows a lie is a lie. But one of the things I think that, that we discovered fairly quickly was that um, it, it's not that simple as there, there's the truth and then there's lies. It's like uh, language is, is it's a fab, fabulous form of communication, but uh, it's very limited in the sense that there's, there's, you're never really conveying the whole truth, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, as they say in court. It's always edited. It's always distorted. It always it, it always carries within it the intention to uh, convey and, in a sense, manipulate the perceptions of the hearer. Right. So by just simply uh, endeavoring to refrain from false speech, it, what I the homework was to discover all kinds of wonderful things about speech. The next part of the homework was when you find yourself saying something that was in some sense, uh, you know, the exaggeration is one thing, omissions, including subtle omissions or, or other things, and selectivity in your speech and everything, was to get in touch with your motives, your intentions, your purpose behind uh, the way that you're using speech. Now, the other thing, and I think we talked about this last time I was here, was when you realize that it's not that simple and there's not some literal truth and falsehood, there's really just a whole lot of gray in between. Um, and you start examining your motives, well, what, how then do you really define What's, what's right speech and what's wrong speech in terms of, of, of truth and falsity. 
and it all has to do with the it, false or, or wrong speech is speech that is in some way harmful to the listener. It's some intentional distortion on your part that is going to, in some ways, it's, it's going to deprive them of something or coerce them in some way or so on and so forth. Maybe, maybe really overt, some kind of exploitation. But it's, it's wrong speech if the effects are harmful in any way for someone else. It's also wrong speech if the effects are harmful for you. And the effects of wrong speech are harmful for you if you are, if the intention behind the way you're using language is something that reinforces your attachment to self, your selfishness, it's sort of for some sort of gain, some sort of avoidance of something that you don't want, uh, because you're reinforcing your own ignorance, and uh, you're, you're uh, reinforcing the hold the desire and aversion have on you. So just by looking at, just by attempting to refrain from false speech. These are all the kinds of things that you can discover. On the other hand, <clears throat> any time you use speech in a way that is beneficial to others, makes them, you know, helps them in some way, makes them happy, so on and so forth, that's obviously kind of great speech. And so you go back to things like, you know, the exaggeration, little white lies, all these other things, and ask ourselves, okay, what's right speech and what's wrong speech? <coughs> and we discover it's not a simple thing of, is it true or not? But it, it, it really is much more about the consequences of your speech and the motivations behind your speech, whether it's harmful to others, whether it's harmful to yourself. But certainly, that distinction of of false, falsity versus truth is a really effective way of getting at it, of getting at that very important thing. Now this is, this is a principle that's going to apply in a sense to everything else, not just to the other forms of uh, wrong speech and, and right speech, but also to right action and right livelihood, is that it's, it's not simple and cut and dry. This is not some set of commandments. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not tell a lie. It's, that's not what this is about. It's a practice. It's a mindfulness practice. And your homework was really to discover how much more mindful you can be by simply making the effort to be aware of the relative truth or falsity of what you say and motives behind it and the kind of consequences that your speech has. So that's, that was the real homework. How, how many people finish their homework? <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever? Well, you know, it's, it's never done, no. Right. Not until the first shovel full of dirt falls on your coffee. <laughs> 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 <That's true. laughs> what about cremation? <laughs> 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 Cremation. <laughs>
Cremation. Oh, okay, the, the match, whatever. Yeah. When you talk about accentuation and intention, then storytelling, for example, Jordan yeah. is not here, right? You, every story lives from exaggeration and you and people know it and yeah. it's fun and it, it makes people happy or curious or whatever. So the intention again is behind the one That's line. Right. And the yeah. other thing I, I found out in my homework that the difference between um, when I'm asking questions, is it curiosity, is it caring, or is it nosiness? Mm -hmm. And each time mm -hmm. I started to look at that and what it could be, and it was very interesting. Yeah. I will not give you the result, but it was very <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that's, that's all right. You would, wouldn't want to... Uh, wouldn't want to know your personal results. No, that's no, that's no. personal for you. I would. changes in you. Speech is so powerful. It's just incredibly powerful. Yeah. And yeah, the example of uh, there's speech that could be exaggerated or, or, or false in various ways, but is beneficial, <clears throat> that is intended well, that has positive results. Um, Storytelling is a good example. Uh, you know, I mean, would it be a shame if we have to say, oh, we're Buddhists, we don't tell stories, and we don't make jokes either. You know? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Now, uh, um, the Buddha actually at times spoke of uh, uh, speaking with the honeyed tongue. And uh, this. Not to be mistaken, it means using speech as a way of making feel people feel good, making people happy, uh, pleasing them. Uh, 
of course, teaching them, uh, helping them in all kinds of ways. And so that's what's really important. And that's right speech is speech that is used uh, in a way that's beneficial. With regard to, to uh, truth or, or false speech, the Buddha said that uh, not only does something uh, need to be true, but it should be spoken only if it was going to be beneficial, and then only at the right time. Well, I was here when we started the, this conversation, so I, I got that much homework, mm -hmm. and I kind of ran with it. And I, I was playing with uh, what that means to noble silence. And there was a, a really shocking moment I had where I, I had been playing with don't write it, don't think it, don't even speak it, see what it's like to get down underneath the language, see what it's like to live there if you can. That's really hard. And yet, about a millifrickle of a moment, I got there, and then I was kind of careless, and I stumbled, and I started to fall, and I... I I reacted badly to this, and I said a rude word, and it was like a bomb went off, <laughs> and that has completely changed my relationship with rude language. Right there, I'm done. And uh, I didn't know that could happen. I didn't know that it. If you say something, it just. If you haven't been talking for a while. It sets off a reverberation, and you can really feel the effect of a forceful word. Um, so that that made me wonder, and and so yeah, then you go off and you start nattering to yourself again, thinking about people who don't pay attention to what they're saying. They're kind of immunized to well, the language. You know, the, the, the thing about human beings. Words, language, <clears throat> is a, a kind of symbol of thinking, right? And as, as symbolic thinking, it's, it's quite removed from that which it symbolizes. And we do, we live, we live, uh, we live in a world of uh, symbols, representations that our mind has created, concepts and conceptualization and words words are a level of abstraction beyond that and the power of them just to realize the power of words both good and bad is uh, is a really important thing what you what do we do we talk all the time we communicate we're social beings we're not none of us are separate we are what we are as a result of all our interactions with other people all through language Power of language is incredible. Um, I don't know if any of you have noticed this, but if you say something, you know, even it's it's the spur of the moment. You haven't really finished thinking it through. You haven't necessarily decided this is your word, but once you verbalize it, you're, you're kind of stuck with it. It's really hard to change something once once you put it into word, and especially if you in the words somebody else. So, 
it's a wonderful discovery just to realize the power and importance of language and the potential of it. The next part of the homework that I left you with last time I was here was to do the same thing with uh, the other forms of wrong speech, which were uh, harsh or abusive speech, divisive speech, and uh, idle speech and gossip. Now these are pretty obvious, but harsh speech is an abusive speech, the tone of your voice, the words, all these kinds of things. They can hurt. Words can hurt enormously. They can be spoken in a gentle tone of voice, and the words can all be non-abusive words. They can be put together in such a way that, that uh, they're a knife in the heart, right? So when you start examining, when you do your homework, <coughs> start examining the, the words that you use, asking yourself, is this a form of, of harsh or abusive speech? And you'll find many instances where it is. And once you become aware of it, homework was to ask yourself, okay, why am I doing that? What is my purpose? What's my intention? What am I trying to accomplish? Have you ever been in a situation where you really didn't say what the other person heard? Oh, many times. <laughs> and, 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 and that's, that's startling. I want to know where that fits in with yeah. the harsh and abusive and well, idle and any of this. Okay, that's a different conversation because you are the, the you, you're very limited in terms of the degree of control you have over what somebody else hears. What we're really talking about here is the control that you have over what you say. And the thing is, too, we say things, quote, without thinking, right? And so there are things that, that we say that we don't even know where they came from. As a matter of fact, this happens all the time. If you look carefully, you keep looking carefully at language, you start to discover almost everything you say. You say without thinking, you don't know where it comes from. <laughs> Which is, that, that's where the intentions become really, really important. Because you don't even have, I mean, you have some control over what you say. You can bite your tongue. And you can deliberately say something uh, different than what your impulse was. But the real control over the way you use speech doesn't come in the moment of speaking. It comes in terms of the intentions that drive you. If your intentions are rooted in selfishness, selfishness, desire, aversion, hatred, anger, resentment, grasping, lust, all these other things, you know, if those are the intentions that, that drive you, then those are the intentions that are going to actually determine the words that come out of your mouth. All those times when you're, you're you don't even know where they come from, and all of those times that you do know where they come from, but you're not really paying attention to what your real purpose is behind what you're saying. These are the kind of intentions you can have, which instead of selfishness, selflessness. Instead of desire, uh, love, compassion, generosity. Instead of aversion, uh, hatred, the, the opposites of those. 
And so really, that's really what we're working on in the practice of right speech. Um, we're using speech, mindfulness of speech, as a tool for developing mindfulness of our own uh, intentions so that we can change those. We can get to the root of, of what's, what's driving us and change those. Now, the same thing is with, you know, at first it may seem like, okay, yeah, well, harsh speech as opposed to non-harsh speech, that's pretty straightforward. Or is it? What about the way we speak when a child's about to do something that's going to hurt them? We want them to stop immediately. No. Or we want to... We, we do want to hurt them in a sense. We want to hurt them enough so that, that they will... so that what we're saying will register and so the behavior will change as a result of that. Now, is that wrong speech? We should never shout at a child to get out of the way of the car because so it's it's quite a bit more straightforward than just the you know truth versus falsehood. But there's still you know it's it's not that simple and it comes to the same thing. It's not about whether your tone of voice or whether your choice of words uh, fits some sort of category of being harsh or abusive. It's about the consequences of your speech and the intention behind them. And that, that's, that's the area we work in. That's the arena we're working in. Beth? Well, one of the curious things that I've discovered as I've gotten deeper my meditation and studying is that now what you're talking about is really interesting because I'll think about what I'm going to say but before I say it I'm given the opportunity and it all happens in an instant to analyze it and to think okay what's driving this particular verbiage you picked yeah. and I may change it entirely before I actually speak it because I realize that there's something else or the words might not be right or I don't want the other person to misinterpret what I'm trying to say. But meditating and getting deeper into it has given me the ability to be able to do that. And I guess a deeper understanding of the use of language. Yeah. Sure. So you can you can become far more skilled in your use of language. But remember, the most important thing to do is to change yourself so that you don't have to analyze everything before you speak it, because it's just coming from the right intentions, because that's you've made yourself a person. These are the intentions that make you who you are. These are the intentions that drive your speech and actions. So then, as you do that, then you, you don't have to do as much work. That <laughs> becomes easy. So, anyone have, I, did anyone, has anyone gotten to the point in their practice of uh, focusing on harsh speech and had any realizations come from that? Yes, <clears throat> I especially noticed in situations where I might inadvertently use harsh speech and I would be very good and really aware 
especially that I didn't have to do so. And that was really wonderful. Yeah. You know, feel something. But then these things would happen that it's like like words came out of my mouth. I mean I did not think. I mean but then they were And that that it was sort of stunning because it wasn't even thinking, oh yeah, well blah blah blah. It just I said it and I had no you said it earlier, no thought and and that's so important to become aware that that happens and to understand that that yeah you, you know no matter how good you are at practicing right speech in the sense of being aware of and not not speaking in a way that you uh, have decided not to and still find your scene, and you think, oh, I'm doing so good, and then all of a sudden, blah, 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 there it goes. What is it, like the hand is quicker than the eye, and the mouth is quicker than the mind? Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Well, there's some deep lessons in here, which is, you know, the decisions you make in consciousness are of a particular kind. It's really kind of a a debate that goes on, and consciousness is kind of a debate that goes in and on in your mind, either to allow something to happen or not to happen, but the the thing that will be allowed to happen or not happen was already determined somewhere else, not in consciousness. There was another um, kind of aspect of that, which was really, really working and practicing to you know, really think before I speak and not be harsh, and especially in you know situations where I might lose, lose my mind to my mouth. And um, I just lost it. That's really important. Well, let us know if it comes back. which is, provides, it's a wealth of opportunities for us <laughs> being mindful about all of these things because there happens to be a culture there where, where all of the uh, less skilled speech is really the norm and pretty much practiced on the part of most people there and without consciousness. And um, what I am noticing is the contagion aspect of and how strong it is and how I, the more I am uh, being intentional around being mindful and making those choices that are not going along with the norms, um, the parts of you that, that go more easily in that way and the parts that don't. And the one that wants to be accepted and fit in and, and all of that it has a really hard time not participating. Even if I do intervene, there's still a thing that goes on. It's like, oh, ooh, ooh, you know. And so it's just amazing how insidious this stuff is. That's good. And, yeah. To build on that, <laughs> is it that looking at like how that can catalyze things, but the and, and where your speech is and what your intention is, but then being attached to thinking, well, that's being authentic, or this is who I am, or this is true, and then realizing. Why? And that that's that's it's like all self and ego, and that 
to in order to really involve maybe to get this, they have you have to let go of everything. Whether you're thinking it's a good intention, a bad intention, because because it's a construct of who I think I am that I need to say these things even though they haven't been great. That was my Thanks, yeah. <laughs> well, and see, that's that's the problem with this. That's the harm we do ourselves is we reinforce our attachment, you know, and, and we're, the things that we're reinforcing our attachment to are exactly the things that are uh, in different ways in different contexts causing all of our suffering. Could you say something, please, about an environment? I found myself thinking I, I kind of had a handle on it. On, on some of this, just a little one. Then I visited a, a friend who is, well, let's just say we we sometimes are volatile together, and 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 it was like the whole house that they live in and everything. I I I, I thought I was better at being a little ju less judgmental, being a little little closer to 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 going where we're going here, but. It was like there was an environment that was bringing me, bringing out the worst side of me, and I could see it happening, and I, I had to get out of there so I could stop being awful. <laughs> but, but the good thing is it, it, it made you aware of the side of you that was being brought out. That, yeah, you know. but, but, but I, I am still kind of vague on my responsibility for that. It's like it's so externalized in my mind. I'm blaming the house I was in. It's not me. <laughs> that's how we. That's what we always do. We we always blame the the situation. We always blame something outside of ourselves. Uh, uh, you know, and, unless we blame ourselves, and then we get into an even uglier thing. Of, yeah, that would be bad too. So what, can, so what can you say about when you're so you let go of the blame? You say, okay, I'm not going to blame. And you just focus on understanding, trying to understand what's going on. You know, try to. If, the thing is that if you can, if you can see and understand what's going on, then you can make a difference. But just jumping in there willy nilly, making judgments right and left, and, you know, that doesn't help. And choose nothing at all. And isn't it true that sometimes in difficult environments or toxic environments, it is okay to not be in them? Oh, absolutely. I it's mean, really, to choose you know, not to stay in a toxic oh, uh, environment. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. so. But that's not the same as, uh, uh, you know, you can do that two different ways. You can remove yourself from the toxic environment because you're very aware that it's toxic and the effect it's having on you. And then you can either say, oh, and it's all the fault of that toxic environment, you know, or you can say to yourself, well, let me just reflect on what just happened and exactly. why that happened. That's, that's the important thing. I'm not saying you should stay in, you know, in, in none of this, I'm not saying that you should, that there are certain ways you should speak and that you shouldn't speak, but that, first of all, it's a mindfulness practice. First of all, it's understanding, it's realizing, it's recognizing. And, and recognizing fully because everything everything is due to causes. The causes of what you do comes from inside of you. Everything you do produces effects. And effects are on, on they're on yourself, but they're on everybody else as well. So that's really what it's all about. It's, it's not about 
thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do that. And, and anytime you find yourself interpreting any of these practices, practice of virtue, right speech, right action, right, right livelihood, in terms of, oh, I'm supposed to do that, oh, I'm not supposed to do that, know that you're off track, okay? You, you, you know, it's, it's never, it, it, it's, it's not about some sort of external standard, it's about what is happening, why is happening, and then once you understand what's happening and why it's happening, then you can you can get to a place of, okay, is this something I want to have happening, or is this something I want to do something about? Sometimes it is something you want to to, to have happen, you know. Sometimes I think we spend too much time dwelling on the failures rather than recognizing the benefit or the wonderfulness of recognizing that you've done it. Yeah. Right? And instead of, you know, instead of, oh, 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 oh I did it again, yeah. It's just, it's just I did it. Yeah. Off we go. Can't wait for the next opportunity. That's a really good point, Tim. And not, not only that, it's not just that we dwell on the negative side of things, we, we forget the positive, like all of the good things that we've done with our speech. That's important too. You know, to to be aware to be aware of when you're using speech in a positive way, constructive way, in ways that cultivate in you the kind of values and tendencies that make you that will make you the person you want to be, and that have the effect on the people around you and the world around you <coughs> actually make it a better place. And think about that. You know, reinforce that. Whenever you, you should try, use your mindfulness to try to catch yourself doing something good. And every time you catch yourself some, doing something good, celebrate it. Because that's what's going to help make you do something good the next time as well. Yeah. So there's, there's a positive side to everything. And it takes many forms. So. And positive side. The flip side of harsh speech is using speech in ways that, that are uh, beneficial, make other people feel good, make other people happy, to cause other people to do things that, uh, that produce further good effects, radiating out in the world. So this homework, it doesn't ever end. Until you, until you get to the place where you've been watching your speech for a long time now, and all of you find is that your, your speech is all, all coming from totally wholesome motivations, and you're really you're so skillful that, that things always turn out the way you intend them to, and everything, then you don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> Yes, so can you see that? Can you answer your own question from what we said? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> see, that's, that's the thing. You know. Tough love sometimes means speaking in a way that is harsh. 
by it. It's all about your intention and the consequences. And what you have the most control over is your intention. But what will come to you over time, as long as you're practicing awareness, as long as you're observing the consequences of the things that you say, is skillfulness. And so, uh, in the case of tough love, the intention, uh, if, it, if it's genuine tough love, it could be contaminated with some, some, uh, some anger, some hatred, or some other negative thing. But if it is genuine tough love, then the intention is right. No problem there. The intention is to help. Right? Now, how skillful you are, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you just can't. But that's a different thing. And that's something that will come from, you know, if you if your intention is always to be helpful. And if you are aware when what you thought was going to be helpful doesn't turn out that way, you will learn from it and your skill will increase. How do you know when you're hiding behind your intention? Yeah. Well, you, that's, that's, that's a different kind of skill. That's what comes from, you know, when you first start looking at your intentions and your motives, uh, you'll think that you know why you're, you're saying and doing the things that you are. But the more that you do that, the, the more uh, perceptive you'll become. And you'll begin to realize, oh, okay, beneath what I thought was the intention, there are these other intentions. Yeah. I thought I was saying this for this other person's benefit, but mixed in with that, beneath the surface are these other motivations as well. You start to see that. But you only see that as a result of looking. And as a result of looking. You have to keep looking. And then as you keep looking, you begin to see the things that you didn't see before. So, you know, I mean, you could make it into a practice. Is Okay, why am I doing this? Okay, this is why I'm doing it. Now, why am I really doing it? <laughs> Go a little more deeper. Uh, divisive speech. Anybody here ever engaged in divisive speech? <laughs> Can I have an example for you? Yes. That's what I said. What is it? Oh, I said. Well, and, and there's, you know, there's all kinds of levels of divisiveness. It can be it can be really overt. You're just really telling somebody that so and so is a lousy, rotten, blah blah blah, and you shouldn't have anything to do with them and they'll they'll lie to you and they'll cheat you and, 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 and they said this terrible thing about you and they did this thing to me and they did this other thing to this other person. You know, it can be really overt. It can also be really, really subtle. You know, sort of Backhanded things that, that we can say about people. It's divisive if the intention uh, is to create a division between two people. 
to make one person see another person in a, a more negative light. To, for, for one person I love to... it's called campaigning. What's that? <laughs> yeah. That's one of the worst things about our political system is that it's all about wrong speech. You can almost define wrong speech in terms of you know, political... It's all about lying. It's all about harsh and abusive speech. It's all about divisive speech. <laughs> but, you know, what, you, if you become aware of divisive speech, you become aware of your motives. Well, okay, I'm engaging in this divisive speech because I hate so-and-so. I want to do anything I can to make them miserable. If I can make other people not like them, I'm like, oh, this is great. That's one motivation. Another one, though, that's really common is when you and I are having coffee together, we'll talk about so-and-so, so we can both agree on so-and-so's faults and shortcomings, right? And then we, neither one of us hates so-and-so. Oh, it's a way of bonding. You and me, yeah, right? You and me, we both know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's a way of bonding, from that facet, is it wicked? Is what? I said, if it's really a way of bonding, then from the perspective of bonding, is it still wicked? Well, from well, you think about it. If you say, if you and I sit and we talk about so and so this way, how do you feel next time you you, you see so and so? It affects you. You can't say those things and hear those things without. But uh, you wouldn't say those things if you didn't already think that before. Before you, I mean, you saw when you see them again, you just say, "Ah, oh, yes, this reinforces what well, I you, said." This is you. Watch yourself and see. And that's one of the things to ask yourself. Okay, when I started having this conversation, did I already believe all of those things before we started talking about it? Or did they emerge? Did we not resonate and create those things? And did we not affect the way that we think about this other person? Now, your question, though, is in terms of the bonding, but didn't it make us bond close, more yeah, closely? Isn't yeah, that a is, good thing? Is that the silver don't, don't we want to be bonded with anybody? Not in that way. <laughs> We're not in that way. That's right. There are better ways. Okay. There are, there are better ways. And this is, you, you do the harm to yourself. Because when you engage in, in that kind of speech, you're making yourself the kind of person that is more likely to engage in that kind of speech. You also harm yourself in other ways. You think you're forming a bond, but once you and I have done this together about enough people, sooner or later you're going to think, I wonder if what he says about me when he's talking to somebody else. Exactly. <laughs> also, it's very hard to be in the, in the moment and to be present with the person that you've been talking about after that, because it it's always about you just never see them as they are. Right. That's right. Now, is speech that is in any way divisive always a bad thing? Like when your 15 year old daughter wants to go out with a 20 year old Helsing? <laughs> <laughs> They're not all bad. 
<laughs> I know, this is a nice 15 year old There's the bell. We've taken ourselves to, to the end here. Um, Your point was an inappropriate person. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, you, you can make up, you can make the what if, uh, uh, make up the what if examples yourself. But this is what somebody would normally do. Is it, yeah, but you know, what if um, maybe it wouldn't be so bad then? And yeah, there there are. It's true. There are. It's not just automatically across the board true that you know. I mean, when when your friend is being gone by a huckster, then yeah, you you would like to engage in some effectively divisive speech, right? There are a lot of situations, so it, it's just, it's just like uh, it's just like uh, false speech and uh, harsh speech with divisive speech. It's not a, it's not about rule following. It's it's about if you make the commitment to refrain from engaging in divisive speech. If you really do that, it becomes a learning experience. You learn and you learn and you learn. And not only that, what you learn gives you the capacity to change yourself, to change your life, and to change the circumstances of your life in a positive way. Sir? I was just wondering, all of the first three make sense to me that there are certain situations where they can be important and useful you know, to remind who you are that they could actually serve the situation. Is there any equivalent for idle or gossip? Yes, we're, we're a little bit over time, but... Uh, I'll just very quickly, that would be the other thing is you have to understand. Idle speech is just, a, it, it's, it's time-wasting speech, right? And it's not good for you, and it's not good for other people to waste the precious moments of life. You know, to you're born, you have so many breaths, and then you're going to die. You're going to waste those breaths talking about the weather or something like that. Right? <laughs> On the other hand, it's very, if, if you... If you want to cultivate some kind of connection with somebody, somehow that sometimes that's how it feels. Oh, that's the yeah. So this way that was the way that was yeah. Gossip, gossip is gossip is basically where we entertain ourselves uh, at the expense of other people's lives and experiences. Right? We we tell these little stories about other people. They're saying that, you know, one standard you can use is if you're talking about somebody else, how would they feel if they heard this, if it was recorded? Or, or how would they feel if they were standing around the corner and heard what you were saying? This will give you a good idea of, uh, of what's, what's wrong with gossip. On the other hand, you can talk about other people in ways that will make you feel good and make the other person that you're talking to feel good, which, if the other person heard it, they'd be glad to hear it too. Now, technically, it's still gossip. You're still talking about other people. And so if most, most of our gossip has undercurrents of, of maliciousness or negativity or selfishness, or very often it's just plain to entertain ourselves at the expense of the 
trials and tribulations and foibles of another person. And it makes us feel good. And it makes the other person feel good. And that's a, that's a very selfish motivation. But it's not automatically true that since uh, gossip is, is sometimes not a good thing, that you should never ever speak about people who are not present. It just means that you need to be aware when you're speaking about somebody that's not present. Be aware of why. What are your motivations? What and what, what are the effects? Uh, what are the effects on, on you? A lot of the gossip we engage in never gets back to the person that we've gossiped about. Although every one of you, I'm sure, has gossiped about somebody and it did get back to them and it did make them upset. So it's, it's a question of examining, once again, what are your motivations, what are your intentions, and what are the consequences, what are the effects of it could potentially have. So that's the ongoing uh, forever and ever homework. But I hope you can see this as, if you try to do this, how much more mindful person you're going to become. You know, People say, you know, I learned to be mindful when I'm sitting in meditation, but, you know, in my daily life, I, I, I'm never mindful, I was real. Use this, use these things as a way to become much more mindful. And then, uh, I'll let you go, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on to talking about right action and uh, right livelihood. And so you'll always remember these before negative sides of, of uh, divisive, of, of right speech, and from those you can interpolate the positive sides of how to, how to use speech in a positive way. So right action, the negative sides of right action are defined in terms of uh, actions that uh, kill that, that cause the, the, the kill or seriously harm sentient beings. Actions that involve taking what is not freely given and sexual misconduct. And we'll expand on those greatly. But uh, those, those are the three to remember and to use as a basis for beginning to examine your actions. So think of harmfulness stealing, and all the subtle forms of stealing, and uh, abusing interactions with other human beings. Okay. So, cheery well. <laughs> <laughs> little notes. <laughs> well, no, the thing is, I, I want you to be excited about what you discovered. <laughs> I say, wow. I wasted all the time talking about meditation. Why didn't we just start doing this from the beginning? Because now I'm in the dance. I'm sure that.